0: Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story. Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington.
1: Chapter 15 In the dim depths of the library, on the lower shelves, the corridors are silent and unlit. Here the books are untouched the stories unread, the pages unturned. Time gathers unswept in the corners and the shadows forget the light. But light is coming. There is a distant glow somewhere in the maze of passageways and a sound, a flat sound, like someone hitting a rock with a fish and accompanying it a regular ticking clink like coins bouncing down a staircase and the scrape of something heavy across stone. Flap, chink, flap, chink, scrape. Flap, chink, flap, chink, scrape. As the light grows, details begin to emerge. Corbells and arches begin to glimmer out of the darkness. The ironwork of doors along the wall glints. There is a corner and someone coming around it. A monk! Hurrying along, sandals slapping on the flagstones, and beside him, a couple made of china. A man in a frock coat, whose patent porcelain shoes chime on the paving, and a woman in a gleaming lavender dress, who hauls herself along after them. The man's head appears to be on fire, a tall orange flame that burns without consuming. I remember, he's saying as they turn the corner, the first time I saw a Christmas tree. They weren't so common when I was a nipper. Not a thing us sort of folk had. One moment. The monk stops suddenly and wrenches open a door, sticking his head inside. He pulls it back almost immediately. (laughs) History of the later empire, he says. There are goths. Uh, We'll leave that. Please, go on. I was up in Spitalfields, in the market, getting some nice little luxuries for the festivities. Nuts and fruit, you know, continues the man. Then he breaks off. You are listening to this, Mum, aren't you? I shall remember it, says the China woman. Don't you worry, we'll light a fire with it later. The monk dives off to one side again to try another door and almost as soon as he has it open, slams it again. Why on earth, he says, shaking his head, do I have a copy of Grey's Anatomy? Ghastly. (laughs) You should have seen it back then, says the China man. "'Relishing the memory, all the customongers with great walls of crates and boxes, "'all spilling over with apples and pears, green gauges in straw,' he interrupts himself, "'cobnuts in their little green velvet jackets, all brown and shining like a sailor off the docks.' "'Entrancing,' says the monk, wrenching open another door. "Uh "'Aha! This looks likely. Come on!' "'And he ushers them through and out of the front door of a small terraced house at the top of a steep hill.' It is night and raining, but all down the street every window is lit, ruddy and cheerful, and from each house can be heard voices raised in song. I'll save the rest of that story if you don't mind, says the China man, the fire about his head already beginning to dim. Not at all, says the monk, setting off down the hill. There's light enough to see here. This looks like whales, says the woman, sliding after them. I grew up in a village like this and a faint flame begins to kindle around the edge of her bonnet. I do believe it is, says the monk. I'm not sure what book we're in, but I think I might have an idea how to get out of it and out of the bookcase. But you shouldn't waste your memory, madam. I need your help with mine. My name is Benedict Nail. Do you know, I I had quite forgotten it. (laughs) They took it from him, says the woman, the glow about her face fading. They take it. Everything. I think they do, says Benedict Nail, including clothes. One moment. He disappears into a house. The china couple wait outside, watching for him intently. When he finally re emerges, he's wearing a voluminous pair of trousers held up by braces, a collarless shirt, a threadbare old coat, and a pair of workman's boots. There, that's warmer at least, if not necessarily sartorially satisfying says Benedict Nail, setting off down the hill again. They took my name and you gave it back to me and I shall never forget that. I am in your debt and ought to repay it. Well, says Bobs, the Chinaman. We do live in your China house. You do, says Benedict Nail, uncharacteristically cheerful about it. And why not? I don't mind. I think, uh, as far as I recall, you don't, says Bobs hurriedly, wanting to make sure this point is cleared up. "'He could get us out of here,' says the woman to Bobs. "'Tell him that. "'If he wanted to do something, he could get us out of here. "'I want to go home.' "'And you shall, madam,' says Benedict. "'And he even claps his hands together cheerfully, "'because, if I am not mistaken, uh, "'that is the pit head at the end of the road, "'and where there is a mine, there is a way down.' "'He is not wrong, Mr Benedict Nail.' There is a racketing, thumping lift, which they ride down past the flickering lamps on the wall of the shaft. Down, says Bob's. a mine? Where is the scriptorium? Where are our inquisitors? Where is Mr. Cardiman? Says Benedict. Up. That much I remember. Above. Where all the stories are. Where they will be looking for us. So we go down, right to the bottom, below the lowest shelf, down where the feet of the bookcase stand in the dust, because there, I am hoping, is an exit. And there is. The lift reaches the bottom of the shaft, they pull open the gates and step out into the low space beneath the bottom shelf, out of the library and free. There, says Benedict Nail. Didn't I say? Out. He looks around at the dim expanse of cobwebs and lost train tickets. Er, what now? Home, says the woman, and the witch, says the man. Home, insists the woman, and home, nods the man. Witch, says Benedict Nail. Bobs looks apologetically at Mum, and she shakes her head in exasperation. There was a witch says Bobs. You said it was a Christmas ornament someone gave you. Your cat said it cursed you. A witch? Benedict Nail is taken aback. Of course. Uh, I'd forgotten. Uh, I, I put it in the desk, in the nonsense drawer. We are not going to the nonsense drawer, says Mum, sternly. We are going home. We should be going home, says Bobs carefully. You should, says Benedict, surprising himself. No, you should, you must. You saved me. I can't ask more than that. No, says Mum, you can't. Well then, says Bob's, who looks like a man who wishes he could remove his painted hat and turn it anxiously in his hands. We'll be off then, Mr Nail, if you shan't be coming with us. I shan't says Benedict. I have long ago forgotten why, but I feel I must see this to its end. Thank you, Bobs. Thank you, Mum. I shall say it again. You saved me. Uh, Travel safely, and uh, beware of the cat. We shall, says Bobs. Good luck yourself, Mr. Nile. Farewell. And the two of them turn and set off across the wasteland under the bookcase, gradually disappearing into the dusty gloom. Benedict Nail watches them go, and then turns towards the edge of the bookcase, looking up towards the writing desk next to it. You saved me, he says. But now, it seems, I must save myself. And on he goes.
0: listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Mellington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io, and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at Christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast, and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Stories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next installment of The Ghosts of Christmas Presents.